Hi everyone. In case you haven't noticed, before we have some height differences here, so if you see us bobbing up and down, you'll know why. And can everybody hear me okay? Is that alright? So as Phil has said, um, I'm Lorna and I'm Louise. And if you really want to know a little bit about us, you should read our wonderfully written bios in the New Horizon Handbook. Um, but pretty much we are friends who work together um, and this is our first time actually doing a talk together. So we had fun and kind of uh, don't quite know where we fit whenever we are preparing a talk. So we've done talks plenty of times on our own, but never together. So we've tried to divide it up appropriately. We've tried to kind of bounce off each other. So hopefully um, you'll be able to understand us, kind of our, our, our pattern throughout. Um, but Phil hasn't said, but I'm going to. And in case you haven't noticed, by our wonderfully designed merchandise and our boards behind us, we work for an organisation called Christian Unions Ireland, which many of you will know if you're involved in your CU at university. But CUI work in university and college campuses all over the island. Um, and we work in 32 campuses north and south of the border. Our students um, are many of you right in front of us. Um, and we work with thousands of students across the island but our vision is to see you as students transformed by encountering Jesus transforming your campus society and the world and we do this by inspiring and equipping students to become passionate lifelong followers of Jesus Christ so I work in the northwest and the northwest staff worker and I look after Corian University McGee campus over in Derry and also the Letterkenny Institute of Technology in, in uh, Donegal um, and I, uh, I'm Louise, as I've already said, and I work uh, in Dublin, so I look after Maynooth University, which is in County Kildare, uh, Trinity College in Dublin, and also uh, the Dublin Institute of Technology. So our aim this morning um, is to think about what it means to be whole life followers of Jesus while still being fully engaged in student life. We want to ask the question, is it possible to seek Jesus in every moment? when we are surrounded by the distractions and demands of academia and are immersed in cultural hubs of competing ideals and varied lifestyles. Our hope is to inspire and equip you to examine your lives, see the importance of spending time with Jesus and maintaining a devotional life while still investing in your studies and being fueled by God's grace to live out an active faith which glorifies him in every sphere of your life as a student and beyond. So firstly, we want to point you to God's rich grace. Brian Chappell, um, the Minister of Grace Presbyterian Church, says quiet time doesn't earn God's grace. Quiet time doesn't earn God's grace. I think it may be fair to say that for a lot of people, you either don't agree with this statement or you don't understand this statement. Thanks. <laughs> Particularly true in a Northern Irish context, which many of us belong, many of us come from. But I think we can ask two questions from it. And I'm going to get you to interact with your neighbours just for a couple of seconds, um, a couple of times throughout this seminar. So don't be frightened. And if you don't know each other, quickly do your introdu introductions and, and answer these questions. So two questions I want you to think about for a second. One, what is a quiet time? And two, what is grace? So chat amongst yourselves for a second, please. Okay, so what was your answers to question one? What is a quiet time? And I'm going to repeat your answers just for the recording. So if you shout out loud, what is a quiet time? Time alone with God. Lots of nods. 
Any other answers? Time that you've set apart to spend with God? One more. Time for worship? Okay, so that is kind of your overarching answer as a group because there's lots of nods going on for everybody's answer. So that is a quiet time. What then is grace in a very concise, perhaps, definition? God's riches at Christ's expense. Any other answers to what is grace? That's okay. So we have what is a quiet time and what is grace. So surely to earn God's grace, we need to spend time with him. Surely grace comes by earning it. Surely our lives need to be perfect before we can enter into a relationship with God. Surely If we believe these things, I want to encourage you all to remember that you have missed the point. If that's what you believe, we have missed the point. Because our God is not someone who demands perfection. He simply longs for us to give him our lives, our whole lives. And because of that, grace is a gift. He gives it freely and abundantly to us, and we can do nothing to earn it. Jesus' death brings us all reconciliation and peace. His death was a sacrifice and his death shows us love. A love that is so beautiful because it is free. It doesn't need to be earned. A love that gives us worth. A love that gives us value individually and also collectively. God's heart is not like ours. It is full of grace. It is full of goodness. He doesn't measure you by whether or not you're up to scratch. He freely gives us what we don't deserve. No need to find your identity, your comfort or your self-esteem in the ways of the world or in anyone else because he loves you, he knows you and he cares for you the way no one else does. He sent his son to die for you and to restore you to him. So then I can hear you all ask, if God gives us this freedom and his love is there whatever we do, Why do we even need to bother having a quiet time, time set apart with God, time to worship, quiet time spent with him? Or why do we even have to maintain a devotional life? Why do we even have this seminar? Well, we will get to that. But firstly, another question that I want you to think about together for a minute. And this one is kind of similar to the first one that you had a minute ago. What is a devotional life? So talk amongst yourselves for a second as well. What is a devotional life? Okay, so let's hear some of your your ideas of what, what you think a devotional life is. So shout out what you think. What is a devotional life? A life where God is in control. A life devoted to learning more about God. Yeah. A life dedicated to Christ. It's not perfect. Yeah, good. Anything else? So growing in devotion and relationship to God and then that affecting your life. Cool, very good. Okay, so we're, we're going to move on. So, so often uh, we have this assumption that our devotional life is that part of our life where we read the Bible um, and we pray. But I guess as you've already um, been been investigating and discussing, is that all? Is it just about reading your Bible and praying to God? So I want to challenge you to think about it being so much more than that. Not just a segment of our day or our week or even our month, but actually an intrinsic part of our whole life being who we are as Christians. So if any of you are familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, 
Um, the first question is, what is man's chief end? So in other words, what is man's purpose? What is our purpose? And so does anyone know the answer? To glorify God. And there's another bit. Anyone know it? So to glorify God. Oh, sorry, someone does. Go. And enjoy him forever. Very good, Phil. <laughs> um, so man's chief end, the purpose of our lives, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Or as John Piper has paraphrased, to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So how do we glorify God? How do we enjoy God? We enter into the radical life that God has called us to in our obedience to him. We obey God, not because he's beating us with a big stick, but because we know that when we obey God, we enter into a life in all of its fullness. We do this by doing what he asks of us, by loving others well, and by serving in his name. As we obey his commands, we begin to taste and see that he is good. But we must also allow God to love us right where we are and receive his grace so freely as he gives it to us. So do you do this every day? I most certainly don't always glorify him or even enjoy him or even think about what that means. And um, what does it mean to obey him? But that is our devotional life instruction. And our devotional life can incorporate these things we've touched upon already. Grace, glorifying and enjoying. And how? Well, we can glorify and enjoy our creator God by living in the grace of Christ. The question or challenge is, how can we enjoy God and live in the grace of Christ if we don't include him and be attentive to him in our everyday lives? What is the point if he is just an add-on to our day or even our week? So I'm surmising that you being here means that by and large, you're probably a Christian, you're involved in church, um, and that kind of goes hand in hand within your home, maybe having a lot of Bibles. I know that I grew up in church, and every Sunday school prize day, I seem to be rewarded by getting another Bible, so I have a lot of Bibles. My home has a lot of Bibles in the bookshelf. And even now, I have several Bibles that I use, different translations that I jump between every now and again. But even though we have all these copies of the Bible at our disposal, which we're very privileged to have, I don't think we use our Bible the way that we should. God gave us his word to give us life. We don't always think about our Bible as a life-giving source. We often think of it as a rule book for us to flick through every now and again, something that we keep maybe beside our beds for when time gets tough, or maybe something that we take to church and, and read along whenever the minister is reading to us. But actually, our Bible is so much more than that. It is a journey through history that is still so applicable to us today personally, and also us collectively as students, as brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's take an example from the Bible that points us to the character of Jesus and his devotion to his Father that we are encouraged to imitate. So Jesus prayed and devoted himself to the Father. We see this in John 17, for instance, just before his arrest and his crucifixion. In this passage in John 17, Jesus prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and he prays for all future believers, you and I. Even in the midst of, of utter turmoil and fear, he turns to his father. 
He memorized scripture and he quoted it often. And this is throughout Jesus' speech across the Gospels. But here is just one example from Matthew 4, verse 4, when Jesus is being tempted by the devil. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here he quotes Deuteronomy 8, verse 3 directly, where it says, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can you see how similar they are? Jesus said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Old Testament, Deuteronomy, says man cannot live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Direct quoting of scripture. Jesus prayed. Jesus devoted himself. Jesus knew the scriptures. I pray. I try to devote myself, but I don't always know the scriptures. And this was Jesus' devotion to his father. He was all about doing God's work. He didn't let people dictate what he did or what he said. Now, obviously, as students, you have deadlines to meet, you have places to be, you have people to see. A lot of things take up your time, balancing home life, university life, part-time jobs, uni friends, home friends, lots and lots of demands on your life as students. And that is okay. That is a good thing. And I don't expect you to be sitting for hours and hours on end every day, reading the Bible and praying But sometimes I wish we all had that time. Quite often, I wish I had that time and I wish it for you as well. You're busy with lots of things going on, lots of things to balance, but God can be part of all of that. In fact, he can be what fuels you to do all of those other things that take up your time. He should be what keeps you going. As he is in you, as we've been hearing about, you bring him along with you everywhere you go. Through you and your devotion to him personally, others get to meet with him by just being with you. And that is always something that completely blows my mind and really challenges me. The people who see me see Jesus. And I know for a fact that that isn't the case every day. Um, So think about that. Whenever you step out your door, whenever you start back at uni, are you living as a witness for him in everything that you do, in everything that you say? Can people see him through you? You might think that feels a bit burdensome. But don't let it feel that way. Let it be an honour, let it be a privilege and an encouragement that as you live and breathe something you don't even think about, that Christ lives in you. And if you were here this morning for the Bible reading, Heather said something quite similar. She said, you are a bearer of his spirit. So as you live, as you breathe, you're bearing his spirit. And so remember that. But there is a phrase that I came across that kind of screams out devotional life to me. And it is practicing the presence. But what does that even mean? What is the presence and how do we practice it? Well, how often do you take the time to look at your life, to look at how busy it is, to look at your calendar, to look at kind of the year ahead, all the different things that take up your time? Do you ever stop, pause and think? When life is busy, does God get a look in? When I get stressed or worried, and this is especially true of me whenever I was a student, I should have learned from this. Whenever I was stressed or worried, instead of pausing, I got wrapped up in my anxiety. I got wrapped up in my worries and my busyness. My busyness seemed to fuel more busyness. It encouraged me to do more and to think about more, which of course is a vicious circle. 
But I came across this story, which illustrates perfectly our tendency to get bogged down by doing too much and missing the point of what God truly has for us. So this is a story of a man who met God in a lovely valley one day. How are you this morning? God asked the fellow. I'm fine, thanks, the man replied. Can I do anything for you today? God said, yes, I have a wagon with three stones in it and I need someone to pull it up uh, the hill for me. Are you willing? Yep, the stones don't look very heavy and the wagon is in good shape. I would be happy to do that. So God gave the man specific instructions to go through the woods and up a windy road to the top of a hill. The man set off cheerfully. The wagon pulled a bit behind him, but the burden was an easy one, especially on such a beautiful day. What a joy to be able to help the Lord, he thought. A moment later, a man stopped him and asked what he was doing and where he was going. He explained that God had given him a job and he was delivering three stones to the top of the hill. His friend said, I need this bag of pebbles taken up too. I've been worried that it might not get done since I didn't have any time to do it myself. But you could fit it in your your wagon with the three stones. With that, he placed the burden in the wagon and the man said, no problem, I can handle it. He started his journey again and the wagon was definitely beginning to tug on his arm. But it wasn't entirely uncomfortable. As the incline started, he began to feel the weight of the three stones and the bag of pebbles. Still, it felt good to help a friend. Surely God would be proud of how energetic and helpful he had been. One little stop followed another and the wagon became increasingly burdensome and harder to pull. The sun was hot and the man's shoulders ached with the strain. The songs of praise and thanksgiving that had filled his heart had long since left his lips and resentment began to build inside. Surely this isn't what he had signed up for that morning. God had given him a burden heavier than he could bear. The wagon felt huge and awkward. Frustrated, he contemplated giving up. Despairing, he wailed, Oh God, this is too hard for me. I thought you were behind this trip, but I am overcome by the heaviness of it. You'll have to get someone else. I'm just not strong enough. As he prayed, God came to his side and examined the wagon. What's this? He held up the bag of pebbles. The man explained he was helping a friend. God continued to unload the wagon, removing heavy and light items. If you will be content to let others take their own burdens, God told him, I will help you with your task. Let others shoulder their own belongings. I know you were trying to help, but when you are weighed down with all these cares, you cannot do what I have asked you to do. The man jumped up, realizing the freedom God was offering. You mean I only have to take the three stones after all? That's what I asked you to do, smiled God. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I will never ask you to carry more than I will give you the strength to bear. So having a devotional life means listening to God, not trying to please him in our own way. Because as we have seen, when we do, 
We can miss the beauty of what he has created us for, the beauty of how he has created us and what he has made us for. But another example from the Bible is the story of Mary and Martha, a really well-known story to most of you. Mary and Martha in their home has a visit, have a visit from Jesus. Mary can do nothing but enjoy Jesus' company and his stories, whereas her sister Martha is preoccupied by her duties of serving and hosting. Martha was distracted, and that is where Satan usually begins. He knows if we are overly worried or bogged down by duties, because chances are our hearts will not hear the Saviour's call to come. While distraction may not win the battle for the soul, getting our eyes off what is important will certainly make us more vulnerable to attack. Martha sputtered excuses in her busyness. Mary humbled her heart and enjoyed her saviour. So the question is, who are you in this story? Do we make excuses or do we humble our hearts? It is really hard to ignore the love of Jesus. The sweet wooing of the Holy Spirit calms our fears and shatters our defences. Based on her subsequent encounters with Jesus, that is what happened to Martha as she followed her master's leading. She bent her knees and found his feet. She let God dump her wagon so loaded with care and allowed him to fill it with his presence. As Christians, we should have our whole life focused on God first and foremost. Our lives, your life, my life, should be one of devotion to him. I use the word should, not as a command or not even as a demand, but as a response of worship because of who we are in Christ and that is free, free to love, free to worship, free to live as God has called us to. So a devotional life is not simply reading the Bible and praying, although those things are important in in how we live our lives. But there is so much more to a devotional life, which actually brings so much more freedom. So back to practicing the present, the presence. (laughs) So the definition of practicing the presence is an invitation to see and experience every moment as a gift from God and the desire to develop a continual openness and awareness of Christ's presence living in us. So let me read a few passages uh, from the Bible just to unpack it a little. Um, This is Colossians 3, um, chapter 3 and 4. Your old life is dead Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content content with obscurity like Christ. So if you're exceptionally observant um, or know the passage well, you'll see that this uh, is from the message translation. Um, And every so often um, when I'm reading my own Bible, I I like to just go and see um, how Eugene Peterson has paraphrased it, um, just because it sometimes can make it a bit more um, understandable, a bit more relevant, um, even to to my life, um, and a bit more easy to understand. The message here says it like it is. Your old life is dead. Your new life is with Christ and God. We are no longer defined by what we do, what we say, what we achieve, what we feel at. We are with Christ and God and he is our life. 
And then elsewhere in John, uh, chapter 5, 39 to 40, again from the message. You have, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am standing right before you. And you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. So I don't think this is a sweeping over generalization, but I think uh, we all try hard to make up for not spending time with God. We have a quick fix of, a, of reading the Bible and maybe pray for a minute. But is it just to tick a box? Have you ever stopped to think what it would look like to have God in your entire day? To be in constant conversation with him like you might be with a friend? The challenge is this. Is God a priority in your life? Or is he merely uh, in, in the background? God longs to hear from you. And he takes delight in you. So has anyone ever been to Rome? Has anybody been to Rome on holiday? A few of you have. And on that trip, did you visit the Vatican? Some of you have. And so what is the piece of art that you think I'm going to talk about? The Sistine Chapel. So if you have seen, if you've visited it or you've seen a picture of it, the Sistine Chapel is, is pretty amazing. The artwork is, is phenomenal. And I am not an art buff. I know nothing about art history. But I even know by standing looking at it, I can see that it is phenomenal. The Sistine Chapel is painted on the ceiling. The painting that I'm going to talk about right here on the screen. Um, so this is a painting by Michelangelo of the creation of Adam. Here, he portrays God and Adam with their hands outstretched towards one another. God is leaning in and straining towards Adam, and his fingertip almost touches Adam's hand, which is much more relaxed, not nearly as intent on its mission. The fairy hand of heaven reaching for the hand of man. The hand of heaven reaching for the hand of man. How beautiful is that image? Now imagine this. Adam's hand reaching out another six inches, grabbing firmly a hold of God's hand and holding on to it tightly. That image captures what I long for in my life, being firmly hand in hand with God. My father, the one who created me and gave me life. An image that I fully desire for all of you now as students and far beyond your student life. As Christians, we are called to prioritise him not merely squeezing him in, but to walk hand in hand with our God, our Father, the one who created us. After all, he did give us our life. We are called to Jesus. We are called by him. We are called to him. And we are called for him and his purposes. So you're at university um, and a gr it's a great time in your life. Uh, full of new knowledge, friends and opportunities. Perhaps you're part of the Christian Union and are still serving in your home church and you've clearly chosen to be here at this seminar. Maybe you want to live for him more and more. So how can you harness your education and your life to his great work? Well, we don't want to leave you hanging with absolutely no help in how to develop a devotional life that encapsulates your whole self. But we hope we've already given you some food for thought um, or challenged you uh, to pick up your Bible and assess how you include God daily. So here are some pointers of how to cultivate 
daily life rhythms that will help you um, to practice the presence. So first of all, develop a rhythm of living that brings God to mind throughout your day. Think of him and remember he is with you. He is guiding you. He is protecting you and he is sustaining you. Maybe pick a verse that helps you ponder on his goodness throughout the day as you get stressed, as you see deadlines ticking by, um, and as you think about something you maybe know you shouldn't be thinking about. Have a verse that brings back to mind who God is um, and who you are in Christ. Um, Intentionally bring yourself before God as you engage in the activities and duties of life. There is no denying that life is busy. But that doesn't mean God can't be included in that busyness. God can't be included in every part of your life. You may even be surprised to find that he is the one who can sustain you through everything that you do. Seek to see others through the eyes of God. This is a big challenge. Remember, everyone on this earth is created in the image of God. And he has a heart of love for every single person. What would it look like to have your response to people as one of love first and foremost? Stop throughout your day and listen to God. This could be anywhere, wherever you find a quiet quiet space. Maybe it's in the car, on the train, on the bus. Um, Maybe it's even on the toilet. I find often I spend some time talking to God because you're alone um, or in the shower. Um, And you just have space, you have time. Um, to sit and reflect on what's been going on. So look for those moments when you're alone, when you have quiet space to just pray um, and engage with your father who loves you and who doesn't really care where you are because he just wants you. Um, And then try, how about having post-its in your room or on your bathroom mirror or wherever you're looking, um, post-its of those Bible verses um, and reminders of the truth of God's presence in you. And accountability. Perhaps there's one particular thing you know you need to do more of. Maybe it is more praying, more reading the Bible. Have someone on board um, that can keep you accountable to sticking uh, to your devotional life. Um, Lorna and I noticed um, that actually our our devotional life and our our reading of the Bible was really slipping um, just before Christmas. And so we decided to hold each other accountable to that. And so we we picked a book. We started with Matthew and we've moved on to Acts. Um, And so we... We read a chapter every day um, and we just have a WhatsApp message um, and we just send each other our notes or our thoughts on on that particular chapter. Um, And it's really encouraged us. It's it's encouraged us to read the Bible. Um, There's no denying that some days it feels like a struggle um, or there is guilt or obligation when that message arrives from the other person. Um, But the truth is when we do do it, um, it is refreshing. It is encouraging and is insightful and it has been helpful for both of us in our own personal devotion. So some outcomes of these practices that are utterly and completely God-given are some of these things. So keeping company with Jesus all day long will bring assurance that he is with us. Having a deeper union with Christ because we are including him in our everyday normal life. Nothing different. We're still going about our normal life, but he is there. We're being more aware of him. We're including him in things that perhaps we hadn't been doing before. Living a new way by letting go of your need to manipulate, compete, 
with complete different things um, and to control. I don't know if any of you can identify with these traits, but if you do, dwelling with the Lord and asking him to move in and through your day will help greatly by letting you let go and being able to live as though the present moment has no competition. How about thinking about receiving each moment as sacred and God-given? whether it is a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe you're in groups at university, study groups that you didn't pick the people that you're supposed to be with. Maybe you're the person that's always pulling your weight or maybe you're the person that's not. Think about those other people. Think about how you're treating them, thinking about how their behaviour affects you, how your behaviour affects them. Think of those moments as God-given, whether it is good or bad. Why don't you try to look at life as abiding in Christ? So that you see him in those people who drain you, those people who irritate you, and perhaps those situations that make you a little bit angry. He will give you patience to deal with the current situation with grace and with love, not anger and frustration. Find your joy in Christ, your sorrow in Christ, your emptiness and your fullness. Look to him for your all in all. Remain open and teachable at all times. And grow in your awareness of your constant need for God. Because that is what it is. You are in a constant need for God. And try and look at that every day. So all of these things are the result about being intentional, about inviting God into every moment, every aspect and every area of your life. There is nothing that he doesn't want to be part of because he created you and he loves you. C.S. Lewis said, We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. Have you ever thought about that? God just being everywhere, walking beside everyone, being in every single situation. He is there. The world is crowded with him. But when it comes to reading the Bible, we're going to go back to John 17. So in verse 17 of this chapter, Jesus is praying for his disciples and he says, sanctify them by the truth. God's word is truth, the truth that we should be following in our lives. Our sanctification is an ongoing process. We are becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more holy, more and more set apart. This process involves both a separation from participating in and being influenced by evil, and instead a growth in holiness and moral purity. The entire word of God is truth. Jesus says that his word is truth. Truth here is a noun, which implies that the Bible doesn't just conform to our standard of truth, but it is the standard of truth, the only standard of truth that we need in our lives. And so because of that, we need to be meditating on God's truth. And there are, uh, are important things to consider um, that will ignite your excitement and passion for God's word. Firstly, motivation. Uh, you need to find the right motivation. I mentioned earlier the passage about having your heads in your Bibles from John, constantly wanting knowledge, constantly wanting um, to know. Um, first, to figure out why you want to read the Bible in the first place. It is, is it just because you think you should or to say that you have done it. Those reasons alone probably aren't going to be very motivating motivating enough to make you keep going through the tough parts when you reach them. Instead, find a motivation that matters. 
Read to discover more about God. Read to learn more about yourself and your religious ancestry. Read to spot patterns and timeless truths that are there. You'll get a lot more out of it when you're looking for the right things and not just doing it for the sake of it. Um, Secondly, I don't know if any of you are journalers, um, but it is so helpful. Um, I find it so helpful to journal my way um, through my Bible reading. Um, I don't necessarily mean pouring out my deepest thoughts um, onto the page, but literally getting a notebook um, and keeping it with my Bible um, and jotting down the passage um, that I'm reading uh, and my observations about it. And I also find it helpful just to put the date um, beside it because it's good to read back. Because if you come to that passage again and read back, you'll notice that you're, you're saying different things. Because when you look at a passage, um, you, you see it through a different lens because you're at a different stage in your life. Um, and so you'll notice different things uh, when you read the same passage again. Uh, thirdly, sometimes... Um, it's helpful to use a reading plan. Um, The thought of reading the Bible is daunting because it's hard uh, to know even where to start. It's a big book and there's a lot in it. So having a good reading plan can be helpful. Um, And I I discovered that one of the most popular uh, reading plans is actually the Bible app. Um, It is full of a lot of useful information and tools uh, which will help you engage with God's word uh, in an interactive and enjoyable way. And lastly, and maybe most importantly, Take your time and pray. Don't try and rush to get it finished or read through so much that you just aren't taking anything in. It is okay to spend even two or three sessions on the same passage because each time you come to it, as I've already said, you'll have fresh eyes and perhaps notice things you didn't before. The Bible is always fresh. And then also be praying while you're reading the Bible. The whole point of reading the Bible is to get to know God better. Um, So pray while you're reading. Ask God to reveal things to you, to reveal himself to you, and to reveal who you are in him. So the Bible says, come to me, all who are weary. And I want to encourage you to seek God long before you're weary. Don't be in that place. Seek him now. Seek him all afternoon seek him for the rest of the week and even as you begin your studies in September seek him long before you're weary seek first his kingdom and his righteousness so that all of those things that we've been hearing about all of those precious promises that we read about in the Bible will be added to you so how can you have a whole life devotion to God how can you rise to become more of what you were born to be how can you rise to do more of what you were created to do Listen to Jesus, answer his call to be whole life followers of him. I'm just going to close in prayer. Um, But we have some questions for discussion that we'd really love you to stay around for and and talk about together. Um, There are plenty of books out on the bookstand that are are dealing with devotional life, helping you to do that. Many different ways that you can help yourself learn more about devotional life. Many tools out there that will help you explore that a little bit further. So whenever you have time, do go and look at the bookstand, look at the different things that they have there. Um, And also talk to each other. 
share your top tips share things that um that you do that perhaps are is, is helpful for someone else that maybe they hadn't even thought about um, and also come and talk to us our stand is just out there and we'll be here all week and um, come tell us where you study what you're studying maybe if you're going to university for the first time come here about um, us a little bit more and, and how we do this ourselves and um, because we would love to share more with you um, but let's just take a minute um, and pray before we put up some questions for discussion so let's pray Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning, to be able to start our day um, looking at your word, um, exploring the promises that your word has for us. Um, And Father, we do ask that those promises that we heard about this morning and all of the things that Louise and I have been talking about this morning really will be planted deep in our hearts. We pray for these students um, in front of us, Lord, as they as they think about going to university for the first time or returning to their studies, whether that is final year or, or going into second year. Lord, we pray that you'll be with them. We pray that as they go around their daily routines that that they will be um, looking for you in every situation they will be involving you in every situation and instead of pressing snooze on that alarm clock they will be awakened um, to to really investing in you and to opening up their their day by opening up your word just like we've been doing here Lord we pray that um, this routine of, of this new horizon week won't just be that something that we do for a week in the middle of the summer but actually it'll be a pattern that we can imitate all year long all day long and whenever we have five minutes that we can talk to you because you are with us you are in us and you're always there for us so Lord, we just pray that as we all try to um, to grow more um, into the person that you have created us to be, that we will be able to share with one another, that we will be able to learn from one another, but most importantly, we'll be able to learn from you um, and the plans that you have for us. So Lord, we do pray that you will help us seek you um, in all that we do, um, that people will be able to see you through us by our behaviour, by our speech, um, even by the places that we go and the people that we um, are involved with, Lord. We pray that you will make us more into the people that you have created us to be. I pray, Lord, that we will all be able to be um, a little bit less like that, that picture of the Sistine Chapel. Instead of having our hands relaxed, Lord, that we will be stretching out for you earnestly with our whole hearts. That we will be able to hold your hand tightly um, and involve you in everything that we do. Rather than think that we are self-sustainable, whether we want to be in control or not, Lord, we pray that we will submit to you um, and all that, that you, you promise us in your word. So, Father, I thank you for this morning. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to be here, to learn from one another um, and to meet with you. And so, Lord, continue to be with us for the rest of the day as we drive, as we walk, as we talk. Um, Remember, help us remember um, that you are the God who loves us um, and who loves us with a love that never gives up, that is always abundant and is always offering us freedom and grace that we can't get from anywhere else. So, Father, we just pray all of these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. And just before I put these these questions up, um, you're obviously free to leave whenever you want um, because we are officially done. Um, But does anyone have any questions um, just off the back of of what we have been saying? Um, As Lorna said, we are around all week and our our stall is just there. So don't don't be afraid to come even and ask us just questions one-to-one because it's a daunting thing to ask questions in public. But does anyone have anything they want to ask? No, that's okay. Um, 
let me just read these questions, even if you want to jot them down and, and spend a few minutes here. Um, but you're, you're also um, free to go. Um, take these questions with you. Take them back to your Christian unions, to your small groups, to your friends, um, and even in your own personal study. Um, and just remember to reflect um, on who God is. Um, so where do your thoughts go when you aren't focused on work or, di- or diverted by amusement? What do these thoughts reveal about your concerns and priorities? How aware are you of the possibility of meeting God during your work or college day? What is it like for you when God shows up at an unexpected moment? How easy is it for God to get your attention? When, you, when are you best able to hear God's still, small voice? And what would it look like for you to intentionally seek deeper intimacy with God? So use, the, use these questions to even shape how you, how you, where you're at now, um, in terms of your devotional life um, and where God even fits into your life as a student. And remember that this isn't just about your student years either. It goes beyond and it goes for the rest of your life because we're on a journey with God um, for eternity. So thank you. Um, and yet yeah, you're, you're free to go whenever, whenever you're ready.